What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for wrapping up your week with us. This is your Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are Sports Ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB. We are still posting daily content over there, podcasts, articles, news and notes, polls, information, rankings, all kinds of crazy stuff that you guys can find at EthosFantasyBB. If you're not somebody who uses Twitter slash X, whatever the hell you guys are calling it, go to SportsEthos.com. That's where we have all of our content right from the source. And basketball is really ramping up. I'm starting to see a ton of fantasy basketball takes all over the timeline. Obviously, football, we are well into it at this point. The nature of football, the fact that it's only, well, I guess they added a week, so it's 17 weeks now or 17 games. It's already like a quarter of the way through the year. Like, I mean, it goes so fast. Like, I mean, maybe not quite a quarter, but we're like week three already. We're, I mean, it's it goes quickly, football. It's not like baseball where you have the long grind of the whole season. It feels like football is going to be done before baseball is. It's not going to be the case, obviously. But football is in swing. You guys have probably already seen what we got going on on the football side. A ton of blurbs. We have a great blurb feed uh, at Sports Ethos. We're going to have baseball probably at some point next year. We're going to have those as well. And some of you guys might say, what the hell's the point? You know, there's already sites like Underdog and other places that put out blurbs that do an excellent job. Underdog is probably about as quick as anybody in terms of lineups, in terms of news, promotions, injuries, whatever. The thing that's going to differentiate us here is that to go along with the news, you know, let's say it's player X placed on IL. It'll give you a little bit of information, and I'd really recommend checking out the blurbs that we've done on the basketball and the football side. Basketball, we've been doing it for a long time. Football, this is our first year, and the guys are doing excellent work. It's not just, you know, player is injured, player didn't practice today. It gives you some analysis. It gives you some potential fill-ins. There's a lot going on there. Uh, I'm not a big fantasy football guy. I'm just not really into it that much anymore. But if you are into fantasy football, you got to be checking out the work we have here at Sports Ethos. Basketball, you guys already know. We've been an industry leader for fantasy basketball for probably five or six years now. Football is new, so go and check out all the great work that everybody has been putting time on. We are going to be talking today about just some random bits of news across baseball. I kind of joked yesterday. We'll see what happens today, uh, see if there's any news to talk about. And there is. And there was something that happened last night. I'm not even sure if it was before or after I taped, but... Let's start with Junior Caminero. Junior Caminero, and it's perfect timing for my Blue Jays, of course, as we are about to go and face Tampa Bay in the in the setting that the Blue Jays are terrible in at Tropicana Field. Tampa Bay is calling up one of their top prospects. I haven't been, honestly, this year paying attention to prospect rankings like mid-season. Uh, I'm not talking about like fantasy rankings. I'm talking about like major league rankings. There's been no point because there's been so many promotions and graduations that the lists are constantly changing. So I'm honestly not sure if Caminero is currently their number one prospect, but he is making the jump directly from double A to the big leagues. Whenever a team does that, you're kind of like, oh, shit, okay, there's something that we need to take notice of here. It happens with certain pitchers, certain position players, and it does generally tell you, like, yeah, this guy is ready for the show. An intelligent organization like Tampa doing this leads you to believe that Junior Caminero is fully ready. And it's hard to argue, just if you're looking at the stat line here, in 81 games this year at Double A, because he started the year at High A, and in his 36 games he had 11 home runs. He batted 356. Uh, he had a 190 WRC plus. He was he was lapping the field at High A. He came up to Double A, and that's where he spent the majority of the year. 81 games, 20 homers, only three stolen bases. The speed is not really what you're going to be interested in here. A 9% walk rate, 17% K rate, which is excellent. And then the 309 batting average, 373 on base, 548 slugging percentage. It was a 921 OPS at double A. It seems like he's ready. 
it seems like he is going to get uh, playing time. I'm going to just check the lineup here and see if he is in it tonight. I'm honestly not 100% sure on that front, but let me just quickly double check. So he's not in the lineup tonight. He will not be making his debut. If he does make his debut, it'll come uh, in a pinch hitter kind of role. I would imagine pinch hitter, maybe even the field pinch runner, whatever. Uh, but he's not starting today. I do think that there is some interest in picking him up, depending on your league size. 15-teamers, absolutely. There's really not a hell of a lot going on in 15-teamers, especially this time of year with all the injuries. There's not a lot of options that you can just be like, eh, maybe I'll take a chance on this guy, that guy. No, you kind of just need some warm bodies in your lineup that are producing right now in those deeper formats. Camonero, not sure 100% about the playing time, but I think just based on the pedigree, if you have money left to bid, there's only one bidding cycle left if you're in an NFBC league only one fab period, which is this coming Sunday, then bid a couple bucks on him if you have it, right? A lot of people are down to $1, $2, $3. There's one league where I actually have 50 fab dollars left, which is just crazy. I'm doing fairly well in the league, too. I'm not going to win it. I'm in fourth. <clears throat> but I have 50 fab dollars left. I'll probably take Junior Caminero there. I think I have the hammer there. I'm the high man in the league on fab. So I'll probably take a chance on him. It could really pan out. I don't think Tampa's doing this just for random depth uh, for the last couple weeks of the season. I, I don't know specifically why. Like, it's it's a little bit of a strange move on, on Tampa's part, but I'm not really going to question it so much just because I, I trust the team. I trust what they do. As much as I, you know, they really do annoy me, um, they are really good. They're, I mean, they annoy me because they're in my division. Uh, I'm obviously a Blue Jay fan, but there's really a lot to like with Caminero. And the Rays putting this um, vote of confidence in him and bringing him up. He has experience in all four infield positions. I think he'll I think he'll play. I think he'll be good. Like I I really do like uh Caminero here as an ad. Now, if you're talking a 10 or a 12 team league, I'm not going to be as interested if you have somebody who is dead weight on the roster. Somebody who's not producing at all right now. Like a David Schneider type. I I was a big fan of Babe Schneider. That's what we've been calling him here. It's kind of been the joke, Babe Ruth kind of thing. But he's like over 26 right now. He's in a horrible slump. Maybe he hits four home runs tonight. I don't think he is going to come out of it that quickly. It's kind of the nature of things. But I would make that kind of swap uh, and go for a little bit of upside if you have some dead weight on your roster. I wouldn't look at a perfectly competent roster. And next week, <coughs> excuse me, is going to be, if you're head-to-head -head and you're still playing next week, it's your championship week, right? There's no two ways about it. I wouldn't disrupt a competent roster that is producing and just to say, well, Caminero, you know, 30 home runs in the minors this year. Uh, maybe he can you know, give me some power next week. If you have a unit that is already producing, I wouldn't go and drop somebody who is actually in your lineup doing good things for you right now for the hope of Caminero. If you have somebody who got hurt, there's been a few IL placements today. We're going to talk about them in a minute. If you got somebody who got hurt, if you have somebody who is a David Schneider type who has just been killing you for the last week or so, I don't have a problem taking a shot on him. I think they're going to use him fairly regularly. It's not ideal if you're somebody who did pick him up that he's not in the lineup today, but I could definitely see them using him uh, fairly regularly down the stretch. I think there's nine games left. We got to see what happens, and it's the kind of year or the time of year where these kind of decisions can actually make or break your team, honestly. But I, I would generally say yes, he is worth a pickup, but don't be dropping somebody who is out there hitting home runs and stealing bases for you, getting on base for the hope that Caminero can come up and be really good. Because I think he will be, but you never really know 100%. I do think he can come up and hit a couple home runs in a week span, no problem. But don't do it just for the sake of doing it. Make every decision count this time of year. Don't be just adding a player or dropping a player just because it's the popular thing to do. Look at your team and see if it makes sense. If you need a little bit of power, 
If you need somebody with that third base eligibility, Caminero uh, could definitely be somebody that helps you out there. Now, talking about third base eligibility, you might need somebody because Nolan Arenado was shut down uh, with back spasms. This will be it for the season. Uh, 10-day injured list, we're only looking at 10 days left in the season. So we could kiss Mr. Nolan Arenado goodbye. And we have to, at this point, because there's nothing really to examine too much for this season, uh, I don't think it's terribly serious. It's back spasms. You never really know with the back. It is kind of, you know, I've talked about I've had back problems. My dad's had back problems forever. You never really know for sure with a back. Sometimes it seems like it's good, and then it isn't. Uh, you, you never really know. But it's not something that I'm that worried about. I'm more worried about his production as a whole this season. He went to a 107 WRC+, plus, down from 150. It's the lowest he's had in a full season in his career. 266 down from 293 batting average. The strikeout rate went up. The walk rate went down. 26 home runs is the lowest number he has given us since 2014. 93 RBIs is also the lowest number we've got since 2014. He has been a run producer every... I mean, I'm excluding 2020 when I'm talking about these things. This has not been a great year. Offensively, you can say, well, the team, the team, the team, the team wasn't good. Offensively, we've talked about this a million times ad nauseum at this point on the show. The team was very good offensively. They were a top 10 offense. If you look at any metric in baseball, pretty much they were a top 10 offense. WRC+, OPS, runs scored. It doesn't matter how basic or how um, complex the actual stat is. They've been a great offense. I wouldn't want to hear it that he only has 71 runs and 93 ribbies because the team has been bad. Last year, he only had 73 runs, which was a little bit weird. We've seen the same thing happen again this year. So Nolan Arenado was going as like a third, fourth rounder in drafts last year. I don't think I'm going to be that interested. I think there's a lot more interesting third basemen that have come up, guys that you can be interested in. Hell, Caminero right there is one of them who's going to be kind of interesting next year. We'll see what happens. I mean, at this point, I'd still take Arenado over him, but... You know, it seems like Arenado might be starting down the decline phase. He's going to be 33 at the beginning of next season. We've seen the defense go down. We've seen the offensive prowess go down. I'm not going to be that invested in Arenado, assuming the price stays relatively the same, because on the surface, the numbers aren't terribly different. I don't know if people are going to... Some people look in very, very deep into these numbers. Some people, if you're playing Yahoo, ESPN, or whatever, they don't. He's within four home runs. He's within two runs scored, 10 RBIs and about 25 batting average points of last year. So a lot of people will say, oh, generally I got what I was expecting out of Arenado. Really not so, so great, though, if you look under the hood a little bit. There are some concerning trends. So I'm going to be generally fading Arenado, unless he is falling into the 60s, 70s, 80s of drafts, which I don't really expect to happen. Then I'll be more interested. But as of right now, I just think there's some concerning trends that I want to take the offseason and really evaluate where he is and where the team is. Because I think this is a team that is also going to undergo some changes. I think Marmol's probably going to get fired. There will probably be some cha- uh, some trades, some changes. Tyler O'Neill is likely gone. Who knows what happens with a few other pieces. So we have to kind of just wait and see what's going to happen here. As of right now, I'm a little bit lower on Arenado than I think I generally thought I would be. Let's put it that way. Sandy Alcantara, this one, it's been a very frustrating season. I only had one share. I only took Sandy Alcantara in one draft, and it was because he fell very far in that draft. I got him at pick 45, if memory serves, and I thought, okay, at this point, uh, he's very reasonably priced. I'll take a shot on him. It has not been a good year. The volume has caught up with him. We've talked about this. This was you know, the main talking point in the offseason. 
when it came to Sandy Alcantara was that is he going to be able to sustain another 200 plus inning season? The last three full years were 197, 205, and 228. Pitchers don't really do that anymore, and maybe hell, we'll look at Sandy as an example and say, well, shit, maybe these advanced analytic guys know what they're talking about to some extent when they're saying, okay, guys should not be throwing 120, 130 pitches anymore. Maybe you should be in the 80 to 100 range a lot more of the time. And I think Sandy's a good example of it. He's the only pitcher in baseball with this kind of volume over the last few years. There are other guys who periodically hit 200 innings, and you'll see it every now and then. A guy will hit 200 innings. But he's done it every year the last three years. I mean, 197, I'm going to I'm gonna count that because it's essentially, it might as well be 200 innings. This year, he would have got there. 184 with still a few starts left. He would have got there. But he's shut down at this point of the season. He is, I'm assuming he's not going to pitch again this year. That's what, I'm not actually, I haven't seen that anywhere. But they shut down his rehab start uh, because he has forearm tightness. So I'm going to be assuming he's not pitching again this season. Rotowire is saying it's a safe bet that he's not going to be able to return before the end of the regular season. I was down on him a little bit, but now I am, I'm going to be very down on Sandy going into next year. I posted my early version of my top 25 starting pitcher rankings, which we will go through here on Monday. That will be the topic on Monday, likely. Maybe I'll push it back and we'll do it after the season ends, but I do kind of want to just talk about it on Monday. Uh, Sandy Alcantara is not in my top 25 starting pitchers for next season. Maybe he gets in there at the back end, but I don't think so. We saw some concerning trends this year. The strikeout rate is below 20%. There are very few qualified starters this year in baseball. I think there was seven or eight of them who had a strikeout rate below 20%, and one of them was your reigning NL Cy Young winner, Sandy Alcantara. The walk rate was still very good. 6.3% is an elite walk rate. There's not really two ways to go about that. You're walking anywhere below about 7%. It's an elite walk rate. It did go up half a percent, 0.7, whatever. I, I don't really care about that. What I care about are these pitching indicators, these pitching, these ERA estimators that have looked not great. Even going back to last year, they weren't bad. I mean, he had a 228 ERA. His XERA was 290. His FIP was 299. His XFIP was 329. They were all still very good, but they were all generally close to, you know, 0.7 to a full run ahead of that ERA. Something to be a little bit concerned about. Now, even if he had pitched to a 329 ERA, uh, you're going to be very happy with that. But it's been a 414 ERA. If you look at those metrics this year, those same pitching indicators, 429 XERA, 404 FIP, 4.02 XFIP. He went from a 5.7 win season in terms of war last year on Fangraphs, because Fangraphs war is a superior war, in my opinion, down to a 2.8 war this season. Not cutting it. Not going to do it for where you're drafting him. He only has seven wins and 28 starts because, well, it's the Marlins. They're not a great team. I know they've had kind of a nice little miracle stretch here this season, and they've been very good, and Luis Arise, and, and blah, blah, blah. They're not a great team. They're really not. I mean, <clears throat> we saw it in 2021. Alcantara was really good. Trevor Rogers was really good as well. And I think they combined for 16 wins. Like, they were both excellent. You're just not getting a lot of wins from your starting pitchers on this team. You're not. You never have. Even last year in his Cy Young year of 32 games, to a 2.28 ERA, he only won 14 of them, less than half of his starts. Wins are going to be an issue <clears throat> for Marlins pitchers in general. But for Sandy, they seem to have been a, a pretty big problem at this point in his career. He started 138 games, the vast majority of them, actually all of them with Miami, and he has 41 victories. Teams change year in and year out. <clears throat> yes, there are going to be variables. Maybe he wins 20 games next season. Wins are very random, but 
You got to set yourself up for success in the win category. Sandy is not going to be somebody that you can draft in the first few rounds and lock in 10, 12 wins for yourself. Where are those other guys, the Striders, the Coles, the Gosmans, Framber Valdez, those kind of guys on good teams, top of the draft board in terms of pitchers, they are going to get those wins for you. Sandy is not. On top of that, the strikeout rate, like I said, is shit. It's awful. It wasn't good last year, but we kind of excused it because he was just so good volume-wise that he got to 200 strikeouts simply because he's pitching so many innings. It was 228 innings last year, 207 strikeouts. I think in terms of raw Ks, he was like 8th or ninth last year. Obviously, he's not a big strikeout guy. We saw it this year. 151 strikeouts in 184 innings. That's bad. That is bad. I'm sorry. Like That is well below league average, especially for somebody that we are expected to be a fantasy ace. I know a lot of people love Sandy Alcantara. Nick Pollock, who is one of the people I trust in terms of pitching more than probably anybody in the space, you know, Nick Pollock, Eno Saris, there's a couple of people who you kind of put above the rest in terms of their knowledge for certain things in the industry. Mike Curlin is great with lineups. Greg Jewett is amazing with, with bullpens and relievers. Like, certain people have their niches, right? There's people who absolutely adore Sandy still, and I do trust them more than I trust my own judgment a lot of the time. I just don't see anything in the profile really that suggests that he is going to, yes, come back next year and we're going to have a 2-5 ERA and we're going to see that Sandy Alcantara that we fell in love with in 2021 and 2022. He's still a young guy. You know, he's still 27, 28. He just turned 28 years old uh, earlier this month. Still a young guy. I'm not like writing him off or anything, but I'm not drafting him as a fantasy ace considering the strikeouts and the wins and the actual performance itself. You know, last year, Kind of excuse that. 14 wins, you'll take it. That's fine. Poor strikeouts, you'll excuse it because it came with a 228 ERA. And last year, his whip was, what was it? Uh, 0.98. This year, you get a 1.21 whip. It's not horrible. It's really not great, though, especially where you drafted Sandy Alcantara. Certain, you know, taking him in the second round, third round in a lot of places. Some drafts, I would not be shocked if somebody reached up and picked him up in the first round. You know, if especially a 15-teamer. It wouldn't surprise me if there were some people out there who drafted Sandy in the first round or who are in a league where Sandy was taken in the first round. You see some crazy shit sometimes. In my home league, one of my home leagues, Vlad Guerrero Jr. went first overall. I'm in Toronto. You see some homers sometimes. I can be one myself. Vlad Jr. went first overall because, well, my buddy Terry loves Vlad Jr. and he wanted to take him first overall. You see that kind of thing, though. Like There are people who would have taken Sandy in that kind of range. I'm not at all saying that he's a bad pitcher, that his career is done, whatever. He could win another Cy Young Award in his career, and it wouldn't surprise me. But going into next year, strikeouts and win factor are going to be a really big deterrent in terms of drafting Sandy Alcantara for me. He's just not somebody that I'm going to put a hell of a lot of faith in as of right now. And even I don't see much changing over the course of the offseason that's really going to change my tune on him. Now he's got a forearm injury on top of all of it that is not only – you know, it's the original forearm injury, but now it seems to be recurring. It seemed to be fine, and now it's going to hurt again. He has a history of UCL problems. Uh, actually, no. I might be talking to a class there, talking to a school. Um, but it's the same UCL sprain that he injured a few weeks ago, and now it's acting up again. I don't want to say the magic words, but that's what a lot of pitchers have been undergoing this year. I don't know if it's a pitch clock. I don't know what it is exactly that you can blame it on. There's been a lot of elbow and UCL injuries. So this might be a moot point. Sandy, I don't again, I'm not going to go down that road. You guys know what I'm talking about. We're not, we're not, we're not going there yet. But, you know, the strikeouts, the wins, and then the injury factor. 
which in my analysis, I'd almost forgotten why we were talking about him, but we're talking about him because he got hurt. I'm just not going to be that interested here uh, in Sandy Alcantara for next year. He's going to have to fall dramatically, and I just don't see him really having that dramatic fall. Let's talk Max Freed. Max Freed is also going to miss the rest of the regular season. Um, I would expect that he is going to pitch in the playoffs at some point, but I don't know. It's a blister. Blisters can be kind of tricky. He's on the 15-day IL. Um, you can go ahead and cut him from your redraft leagues at this point. Max Freed had three separate injuries this year. I don't know what to read into that so much. You know, the blister, however you want to call it. I mean, it's an IL stint. you got to count it as an injury. It was the hamstring at the very, very beginning of the year. It was right before the season started. And then the forearm, which popped up in May. Three separate injuries. Doesn't give me that warm, fuzzy feeling about Max Freed. You know, I'm talking about those, uh, those same rankings, those top 25 that I put out today. Max Freed was a close call for some of those last picks in the 20s. I didn't have the heart to put him there because I just don't know what the volume is going to look like for Max Freed. Should he be healthy? Should he come into next season? We know he's healthy. Max Freed will easily be, for me, a top 20 starting pitcher. But even as I say that, three injuries in one year to three separate parts of your body, you know, some people will say fluky. And I don't even know where I stand on this, but other people will say, well, maybe he's just somebody who's going to get banged up more than other players. I don't know. I don't know how to quantify those kind of things. It's certainly, I think in my mind, better than if it's like he's injured the same elbow three times or the same knee three times or whatever it is. The fact that it's different, okay, it's not going to be as hard to come back from each individual injury probably. But at the same time, I don't know, considering how many great young starting pitchers there are, and I mean, in starting pitchers in general, not just young ones. There are so many great starting pitchers that I don't know that he is going to be pushed up that high considering that there's a lot of other pitchers who I don't have the same kind of worries about. Again, starting pitchers, injuries in general to players, athletes, we really don't know anything. We really don't know anything at all. A guy could come into the season after having been hurt for six straight years and have a healthy year in year seven. The complete opposite can also be true. I generally don't want to draft somebody who does have an extensive injury history, and it's not necessarily an extensive injury history with Max Freed. There have been a few things over the years, if you go back and you look at his page on different websites. Uh, there was a few things last year, fingers, hands, hamstrings, ankles over the years. Uh, he had a spinal injury in 2020. I actually don't remember that, but blisters. He's had a few different blisters over the years, uh, 2018, 2019, uh, I think 2021, and now 2023. Uh, sorry, not 2021. No, it's been a few years, actually, since he's had blisters. But regardless, I just am not getting that same kind of real comfortable uh, comfortability factor here with Max Freed, especially considering where I think he's going to go. Now, these are my own rankings, right? I'll, I'll rank guys wherever. It doesn't matter where I think they're going to go. This is just a matter of my opinion on them. And I think Max Freed, fully healthy, top 25 pitch, starting pitcher easily. But as of right now, I just don't know that I want to be putting him there in rankings and also drafting him that high, considering the amount of talent that there is going to be around him all over the place. Max Freed is a very safe fantasy pick if he's healthy. Great team, solid strikeout rate, very good walk rate as well. Pitching indicators have always been there. He has a 303 ERA for his career. He's a 336 XFIP and a 328 FIP. Those are solid, solid numbers. I'm just a little bit worried about the injuries. I think that's where a big part of this comes from for me. Not to say that I won't have him ranked relatively high uh, come the come next season, but as of right now, I'm just a little bit down on him simply because he has had a battered season. He's only thrown 75 innings, or what is it, 77, in, 77 innings, excuse me. 
he's great when he's out there. How often you're out there definitely does matter too. And again, we don't really know what we're talking about. Guy could be healthy forever and then injured and whatever. But as of right now, I don't have a lot of confidence uh, in Max Fried. I'm still very confident, but not as high as I maybe would be if we didn't get the news we did today. It's just been a lot of shit that's happened to him this year, and I'm not sure that I want to be taking him with a top 25 SP price for next year. But that's why we just start to talk about these things now. You have a long time to process your thoughts. If you start thinking about it in March, then you don't really have a long time to sit with these players and look at their stats and really evaluate them and see what you think. But let me know what you think of the show, of course. Uh, hit us with reviews, ratings, and whatever you guys got uh, end of the year now. So we got the diehards listening. Obviously, it's not as big of an audience as we had earlier in the year. If you guys are listening, you're probably still in your leagues. You love fantasy baseball or you like listening to me for some reason. Whatever it is, God bless you. Uh, I really appreciate all the support you guys have shown. Go check me out over on Twitter, on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. Also at Ethos Fantasy BB. We're still posting over there, of course. And SportsEthos.com is the mothership where you guys can find all that content right from the source. That'll do it, guys. We'll see you again on Monday. I think I will go over those SP rankings. But until then, have a great weekend. Remember, set your lineups for championship weekend. One last fab period. So make those waiver claims. And we will check in with you guys on Monday. Until then, take care. And cheers, everybody. Have a good weekend.